0: Today on It's Time If you know who Jesus is that is supernaturally instilled in us by the Holy Spirit
1: I, leave, I hear the
0: calling it's time. It's time. it's time
1: it's time Welcome to It's Time The daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler
0: Say, well, how is that? I don't know, but I know that God does that. And you say, how does God do it? I don't know, because He knows the needs in other people's lives, and so you become the one in which comes and ministers to them. The Bible says the whole city rejoiced. Why? Because God had changed the composure of the city. See, God changes the composure of you, it's contagious, and now it's going to affect others what happened with the original 12. And then the seven men were appointed uh, to look over this menial task of taking care of these, um, you might say, Grecian Jewish women's daily needs, and now they're precision miracle workers. How does God do that? I don't know, but he does. So be a miracle, look for miracles, and you say, wow, that's something that doesn't happen every day. Why? Because you've trained your eyes to see it. Well, he tells there was great joy in the city. But there was a certain man. You know, it's always funny in the Bible. <laughs> that makes these great statements. and uh, But. <laughs> this is like an exclusion, okay? You're going to find that in your life. God's going to do great things in your life. and then, But there's going to be a but. You know, it's like there's... But there's something else going on here. Okay, let's look and see what it is. But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was of somewhat. You see, through his magic, he could do that. Now, there's two possible thoughts here. One, his magic was just sleight of hand. And a lot of magicians have that. You know, you see these... I saw this one thing where they had this, this curtain... And uh, he says, I'm going to make a submarine appear before your very eyes. And everybody goes, whoa, how are you going to do that? Well, he goes, we're going to have a submarine appear in 10 seconds. And so behind me, it would just be like this right here. And a curtain goes up, and you could see both sides. There was nothing behind. And they dropped the curtain, and here was a submarine. And you go, how'd they do that? Well, what they didn't show you was that the submarine was just simply rolled up like cardboard. The cardboard was laying flat on the stage. And when they put the curtain up, um, the one girl that was back there, was well, she quickly rolled it up into a tube. It had Velcro or something. It snapped. She popped the two end caps on it. It looked just like... And here all of a sudden this, this big thing appears, and everyone goes, whoa! It was sleight of hand. It was an illusion. It was already there. It was just rolled up. It was in a compacted form. But see, what happens a lot of times is because we go by what we see, we think what we're seeing is real. That's why Jesus said, and the Bible tells us all the way through, don't judge according to the appearance of anything, but when you judge, judge your righteous judgment. Why? Because sight can be deceptive. This is how the devil rips us off. Notice, if you go back to Genesis you remember what what satan said to eve you know look it's good looking that fruit looks good appeals to the eye the bible tells us there's three areas lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life those three things are how the devil gets his little noose around your neck now here's the reason why when we see only from you might say a physical standpoint we're not seeing the whole picture and because of that, there are opportunists that take advantage of that. This is what magicians oftentimes do. You know, where they pull a rabbit out of a hat or pull a hat out of a rabbit or whatever they're going to do. They, they do these things and you go, wow, that's really amazing. Well, people that were simple did not understand what was going on when they would see these things. Now, some people believe actually that he was a sorcerer. And beyond just that of sleight of hand a magician, but actually his powers were tied to the occult. And because of the occult, he had, you might say, supernatural help. As the girl did in Acts chapter 14, uh, 16, who could tell uh, fortunes by this, this evil spirit that was in her. It was called a familiar spirit. It wasn't like a shrieking demoniac spirit, like when Jesus went on the other side of the Galilee and went over by Gadara. And and, and uh, th- there was th- this this crazy guy that was there filled with demons and he would break chains and all those kinds of things. And, uh, uh, he would scream and cut himself. The Bible says he was, and he was filled with demons. But this talks about a, a different kind of demon, a familiar spirit that could tell fortunes. So we know that there is an unseen world and whether Simon had these supernatural you might say underworld powers that were inspiring him or it was just sleight of hand we don't really know but one thing we do know as we read on here his heart wasn't right with god so it says the people of the town said this man is, has the great power of god speaking of simon here's what happened so he's got the whole town fooled that he is of somewhat okay Then Philip comes along. Real Christians come along and tear the lid off of his scam. And now all of a sudden, the real outweighs this facade that this guy was putting up. Well, it tells us they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time time this word sorcery is the word here which which implies magic arts but other places in the scripture like up in revelation where it says they wouldn't repent of their sorceries that word is the word pharmakia where we get the word pharmacy from which is the where we get the word drugs from so he may have been enchanting them with drugs he may just have been uh, a sleight of hand we don't know but one thing for sure it wasn't the real deal And so it says, but when they had believed Philip's preaching, when they had believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself was also, he also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, some people wonder, was he masquerading as a Christian because this was what everybody was doing? And hey, this art form of magic is greater than my art form of magic. Or was he really a believer that was just messed up? I personally believe what the word of God says. I think he was a Christian that was really messed up, which tells me that people can be Christians and really messed up. Now you say, how could that person being a Christian do that? Just like this. For some reason, the Bible says when we become born again, all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Okay, so we got that down. But that's only to the level that the individual is willing to surrender his life to what God wants. So in other words, if a person becomes born again but then wants to hold on to parts of their old lifestyle, those things will remain. Now, I believe Jesus will, you might say, cleanse us completely if we're willing to let God do that. But a lot of times we like some of our old sins. We don't see the destructive power in that sin. So we think, well, it's not hurting me. I'll hold on to it. Not realizing it is hurting something in you. It may be your ability to love. It may be your... your um your heart is hurt. It may be part of your mind. Could be your body. Whatever it might be, there is a damage that happens in sin. That's why it's sin. See, God doesn't see surface. God sees the big picture. That's why, again, these people were misled by Simon the sorcerer's um, magic. They didn't see the full picture. Well, if you were backstage real quickly with a magician, and you saw how he had the trap door in the hat, and how there was an extra tube in the the, the sleeve, or or a, a fake vein in his arm where all these little things appear, and things like that, they do all kinds of trickery to fool you. You'd go. That's, that's easy to figure out because you see the backside. you don't see what they only want you to see. That's the way sin is. The devil only wants you to see Ooh, you know it'll be fun. And we go really? okay And the Bible says those that are misled like that are he, the Bible calls them simple because they can't grasp. The overall picture of what's really going on. So, he tells us here. That. He tells us that. They believe Philip. And what he had to say. And concerning the kingdom of God. The name of Jesus. Both men and women were baptized. So Simon again. He comes in. He's baptized. Now, let's look at this real close. Simon himself also believed. We want to establish that, okay? What does the Bible say? It says he believed. I've read some commentaries that say, "Well, Simon wasn't really a Christian," and so well, then you're contradicting what it says here. It says he believed. Okay? Do we establish that? It it you know it's really funny because the word of God changes the way we think. It's like I, I, every once in a while I'll, on every man answer, I'll get the question: When the Witch at Endor called up Samuel, and by the by the witch at Saul's request, the question oftentimes is, "Was that really Samuel?" The answer is, "Yes, it was." And you say, why is that? Because the Bible says, and Samuel spoke to him. So when the Bible says something, I realize it's simplistic. But it doesn't leave a lot of room for saying, well, no, it was just an evil spirit impersonating Samuel. Then the Bible would have said he was an evil spirit impersonating Samuel. Now, I know we laugh at that, but I am surprised how many people don't get it. This one particular verse we're reading right here. They say, well, Simon probably was not really a Christian or a believer at that time. But the Bible says he believed. And the Bible also says he was baptized. But the Bible also indicates, as we'll read on here, that he was messed up. Now, let's look at this. Simon himself also believed he was baptized. He continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the signs which were done. So that means... You might say indirectly, indirectly, that Philip had a disciple. Amen? Can we see that? He followed him. He was around him. Now, flashback. Back to Jesus. Jesus had the apostles around them. Okay? The apostles, the apostles, like the A-T, they were, you know, the best. And we remember Jesus comes into a town. And they needed a a motel for the night. And nobody would give them a room. And James and his brother, they looked at Jesus and and, and you you know, this had to warm Jesus' heart. Shall we call fire down from heaven and consume them? Don't you know that warmed Jesus' heart? Over a motel room. Now here's my point. The disciples did goofy things as they followed Christ. We also remember Jesus said, "Who do men say that I am?" As he's walking along with the disciples, some say you're one of the prophets come back to life, one say you're Elijah, but Jesus, said, but yeah, but who do you say that I am?" And Peter said, "Thou art the Christ, the only son of God." Jesus looks at Peter and says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father, which is in heaven. So, which tells me, if you know who Jesus is, if you know who the Trinity is, that is supernaturally uh, instilled in us by the Holy Spirit. That's not something that we normally can figure out. That's something that God does supernaturally. Okay, Peter got a shiny star on that one. Good. Good. Just a little bit later in the chapter. Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem. I must die. And Peter said, you don't got to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to die. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Eh, Wrong answer. You say, why am I saying that? Because sometimes people that follow Jesus... Do goofy things. Now they'll help you. Some, well, I thought they were a Christian and they're doing that. Oh, well, I just can't have anything to do with them. Oh, really? What about your sin? I, I've seen that. It's so amazing that people are so blind to their own sins. And they'll, they'll strain it and out, as Jesus said, and swallow a camel. It's amazing. You think about it. You, you go, how does this work? Well, if they were really a Christian, they wouldn't act like that. Oh, yeah. What about Peter? What about Simon? What about the others in the Bible that we find that oftentimes we elevate to a place of sinlessness, and yet when we study their lives, we find that they sin just like you and me do. Somebody said one time, they said, well, I'm sure glad I don't sin like you do. No, but you sin like you do. That's the problem. That's why Jesus told us when we see somebody overtaken in a fault, we we go to them privately. Now, I'll tell you something that's really embarrassing. If you ever go to somebody overtaken in a fault and you say, brother, I got to tell you about, about, you know, this money deal you're doing right now. It's not very good. It's not very Christian. And then that person looks at you and says, well, you need to move out from living with your girlfriend." There, there. What's that? See, this is the problem. <laughs> Somebody else's sin always looks worse than our own. And so when we look at Simon and we see his goofiness here, well, he wasn't really a Christian. I'm really amazed. Check this out. Go, don't take my word for it. Go look at it on your own. Get some commentaries. Well, he really wasn't a Christian at this. Well, what we have here is a failure to communicate. They say, well, he wasn't only really a Christian. Well, it says he was. It says he also believed and was baptized. Now, when the apostles... And by the way, and he followed Philip around as a disciple, okay? You get that, okay? Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the holy spirit for has yet for as yet he had not fallen upon none of them they had only been baptized in the name of the lord jesus you say why is this important this is a very foundational doctrinal verse in the bible if it's not, un, if it's not circled in your bible it should be you say why is that Because there's many people that believe that when you become born again, you are immediately filled with the Spirit. Now, we do have some instances in the Bible where that happened. Right in the middle of Peter's sermon, we find when he was preaching to the Gentiles, that happened. But that was a rarity. Generally speaking, it's a second work of the Holy Spirit. Here's the reason why. Jesus told them, go to the upper room and wait, the Holy Spirit will come to you. Fifty days after Passover, after, or maybe I should say, uh, yeah, Passover, which which is then Pentecost morning, first fruits. Well, some people call it first fruits, but fifty days after Pentecost, they were all believers. They were all in the upper room. They were all being obedient to what Jesus said. They all were eyewitnesses of His resurrection. They all had put their faith and hope in Him. What's important here is they were obedient. The Bible says they waited in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Second work of the Holy Spirit. Now, here we find the same thing. Now, uh, we're going to find this several times through the book of Acts. So, uh, we'll, we'll cover it again when we come across it. Uh, just if for those that... Um, uh, one of the places that we find where Paul was converted to Christianity... Uh, who art thou, Lord, when, when he fell to the ground? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. The Bible says he was led by the hand to Damascus, the very place he was going to go to persecute Christians. Well, he, he goes to Damascus, and when he gets there, the Bible tells us that they prayed for him at that time to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says something like scales fell off his eyes. It doesn't, and no mention of tongues at all in that particular place. But it was that something like scales fell off his eyes. Now, he was already a believer when he came up off that ground. And he was headed for Damascus. So you have a born-again Saul name turned to Paul, on his way to Damascus, where there he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, why is this important? The church that I would come out of believed that there were no infilling of the Holy Spirit. They believed you got everything when you became born again. And what happened with me is that though I believed in Christ, there was no power in my life. I, I had no deutemos, you might say, that word for power. Uh, and that word for deutemos is where we get the word dynamo, which is the word for generator. Not dynamite that goes bang and it's all over. It's, it, God keeps going in you. You know, the energizer bunny thing, you know? That's what God does. So, in understanding that, we find it here. We find it in Paul's life. We find it in chapter 19. You might want to write that down. We won't have time to get into it at night. But Paul actually writes and says, Since you have believed, have you been filled with the Spirit? And they said, What's the Holy Spirit? And he says, Well, then how are you baptized? Because the Great Commission was baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you would have said, Well, as you're going under the water, Who's the Holy Spirit? <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, okay. That you know. And they said, John's baptism only. Then he shared with them faith and they believed. Well, anyway, the point simply is, here's a good place to prove that you can be born again but not be spirit filled. I'm amazed how many commentaries cannot take God's Word simply for what it says. I'm just, I'm just amazed by that. Not based upon solely upon this verse, but upon other verses. Again, chapter 19 of Acts. Saul's conversion a few days later being filled with the Spirit. There's another illustration. Acts chapter 2, they were all believers in Christ, but they were not filled with the Spirit. All the way through. That's why the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. You say, well, how are you filled with the Spirit? The Bible calls it the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's a gift? Gift means simply God giving it to you because he loves you. How do we receive a gift? You take it. That's, that's all there is to it. The gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What did I do? What did you do to earn eternal life? Nothing. It was a gift. If I would have done something to get eternal life, that would have been wages. Because I earned it. Now, if the gift of salvation is simply by believing, the gift of the Holy Spirit is by believing as well. So, if you're not spirit filled tonight, you say, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And then look for the power of God. The Bible says, Jesus said, You being evil know how to give your children good gifts. How much more will the Holy Spirit, will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? There was a song we used to sing in church years ago. Um, the Lord and I, the Lord and I, we got so close. We got so close. The Lord and I, the Lord and I got so close. The Lord and I, we got so close. He filled me up with the Holy Ghost. All my sins are washed away. i Henry Dordo.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up,